Alrighty, welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of OFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter is Jeppa DT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. We are at the moving stage of the season, only a few weeks left. Uh, how are you looking forward to the final weeks of the season? Yeah, I'm. A, you know, this is the time of year to go a bit different and and pick a few points of difference as we normally do, or I normally do anyway. And um, we'll get creative, and we live and you know live and die by our decisions, really. So um, I won't be too silly, but um, really trying to pick um, those different sort of players to to try and gain rank, and I'm sure some will work and some won't. Monitoring every player in your squad plus your watch list for scoring output is paramount in order to finish the season successfully, Jep. Oh, absolutely. You know. A couple of underperforming primos for me is um, Tom Mitchell, Paddy Cripps, um, you know, the list, there's a few others. James Sicily wasn't really that great. So they're on my hit list for sure. It's just, you, you know, you wish you could do it all at once. It's It's got to be slowly and surely and you sort of analyse them and I, I basically rank them, um, rank the current players I have and uh, priority of trade and, and that kind of thing and who my targets are. So... It's um, a bit of a convoluted formula, but it's calculating basically the average of the player that you got right now versus the player that you want and, and will think um, will average for for the next three or four rounds. So I don't look too f- to the end of the season and um, and calculating that points difference and going with the highest one. So yeah, there's there's a couple, and I'm sure there's a couple of coaches out there suffering a little bit. As most teams should be complete by now or there thereabouts, it's now time to start searching for unique, reliable options. Oh, for sure. Like, we can't keep being vanilla. I mean, I'm not saying go really silly with the point of difference, but a primo that someone doesn't really own, a couple that come to mind off the top of the head, Stan Houston, especially with um, the injury to Bonner. I think he's a really good option now and a good point of difference. Um, Liam Baker is probably a little bit more left field and we wouldn't consider him primo uh, but he's if he's going to have that midfield role and he changed the game for Richmond on, on that uh, last round so um, players like that monitoring that list having your watch list etc cetera, etc cetera. it's always developing it changes you know it's pretty fluid it can change daily especially with what happened last weekend and Luke Jackson scoring 125 which no one really expected Um so, yeah, really just keeping on top of that movement and and those points of difference, like I said, to um to get a leg up against the rest of the competition. Yeah, we'll go through ownership in a minute and what will... Uh, so I'll list some of the players there. So some of the lower-owned players plus the players that aren't mentioned, they're, they're the ones to target. Obviously, you've got to keep in mind that you need to have pretty much completed your team now, um, or you pretty much have to have. Uh, before we start flicking those um, premium scoring players around. So get the rookies off the, the ground and then uh, start flicking around to unique options there as well. So those ones that aren't listed there, once we do the ownership, you know, they're the ones to target as well. Alrighty, so it is worth keeping a close eye on tagging situations that can absolutely impact scoring output, Jeff. Of course, bud. It... Um Absolutely is, except it's again, it just changes week to week. I, I expected Kane Turner to do a job on Laird or Dawson, and um, neither was forthcoming. So you can sort of forecast it and plan with it, but it might not always eventuate. But yeah, again, it's we know who the taggers are and, and who they're likely going to be. Um, you know, I, I, it's just flagging it, risk, you know, put, weighing up the risk of. of potential captain choice or a trading choice and, and running with it that way or however we analyse it. But we've always got to, like, keep an eye on that, um, you know, that four-week block of games where who's got the easier run, who's going to potentially face a tag, am I picking a primo that's going to attract attention, um, et cetera, et cetera, or am I getting my second-tier guy like a Sam Walsh? Well, that's exactly the one scenario because uh, on the weekend, um, Patrick Cripps was targeted. So, and the one that gets off the chain is Sam Walsh. So he starts starting a heap in the forward line now, and he's just and he's going everywhere uh, across the ground. So 
um, again, centre bounces can be a little bit distorting of, of what's actually happening with regards to midfield usage. Because if you look at Walsh, he's just everywhere. So, um, what, again, you know, if he's starting in the forward line, he's not really getting a, a midfield matchup. So then, if he's if he's going through the midfield and back into D50 and collecting disposals, he's pretty much doing that unchecked. And with his run and gun sort of nature, he's giving go and collecting those plus sixes and being that run pass player from somebody taking a market um, as Carlton move the ball forward. You know, that's just a prime situation. And again, if he's not targeted through that midfield or even coming from the forward line back into D50 and through that midfield, you know, he's just going to run right for the remainder of the season. So it's a big watch on him. And he's he's not really that wholly owned. So uh, I think he might start to get some sort of attention now from fantasy coaches to, you know, to start to target him. So just some of the uh, tags that we did have last week. It was Harms to Neil. Uh, on that Thursday night, it was Ryan Clark to Jack Sinclair, so no Brad Hill for St Kilda. So Sydney sort of took the opportunity, and John Longmire took the opportunity with no Brad Hill. Uh, they went to Jack Sinclair. So we've talked about Sinclair on this podcast, where he just runs around, you know, half back and just collect disposals at will. You know, Longmire didn't want any part of that. So you know, Ryan Clark to Sinclair and pretty much shut him down for most of the game. Uh, Will Brody ran with uh, Patrick Cripps there as well. So Cripps starting to not really hit those ceiling games anymore. So, you know, your alternative to Cripps at this stage is, is definitely Walsh. Um, and again, as we just mentioned, you know, Walsh is not the number one tag, although he might start to get intention. But I think he just can run past most of that situation. So I think he's still good anyway. Um, as what we did see last year when he was in the midfield. Like he, could, he got shut down one or two times. and But other than that, he's, it was ceiling games. So that was a Brody with Cripps situation. Uh, Kane Turner, you mentioned earlier, um, he avoided uh, Laird this time. So he went to Josh Rochelle, which was really interesting, um, to shut down Rochelle up forward for the Crows. And then Willem Drew, he went to Took Miller for periods of that game, uh, Gold Coast and Port Adelaide there. So, you know, just some of the tag is there that can go. Um, mo- most coaches will try and back in their midfield and their um, structure and their game style first. Uh, generally, you might not see a hard tag early, although the Lockie Neal situation last week, you know, Melbourne were pretty keen to go to him, which, you know, which which is a little bit unusual for Melbourne, but he's not, not really a hard tag team. So uh, they play each other at the back end of the season again. So uh, it might be a situation where you might want to, you know, if you're looking to jump off certain players, you know, that Melbourne-Brisbane game later in the year, you might want to jump off Neal and um, not only captain option, but just actually just to move him on, uh, because if he throws in a low score again, you might be able to pick up some points against the rest of the field. So just keep that in mind, and especially that uh, James Harms to Lockie Neal situation later in the year. Already, a couple of key injury updates I'll just hit on, and then we'll get into the podcast, Chip. So Zach Butters, some chance to play this week. Max Gorn, unlikely for this week, so he's more likely around 17, round 18, and Tim English is obviously not available this week, Bulldogs announced today. Alrighty, we are talking AFL Fantasy season-long classic mode. This discussion is pre-round 16. This podcast has been recorded on Tuesday night, June 28th. And, of course, the news has been crushed out for you on the AFL Ratings Network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. Jep, ownership, round 15 ownership, top 25, on ground um, 20% or higher. So Darcy Cameron, 96%. For the Rucks, and we go Sean Darcy at 40%, Wally O'Brien 32%, Luke Jackson 28%, Jared Witts 24%, and I'll just go down one more at uh, Rowan Marshall 4%. Thoughts there? Yeah, uh, they're probably expected percentages. I, I didn't expect the Luke Jackson percentage to be so high, to be fair. Um, but, yeah, good luck to those owners. They, they've obviously picked up a steal and, and a big ceiling score first up. Okay, on to the defenders. James Sisley, 96%. George Hewitt, 84%. Jaden Short, 80%. Jack Crisp, 80%. Sam Doherty, getting it done still, 64%. I think that should be way higher. Jordan Dawson, again, getting it done, 60%. Lockie Whitfield, I think it's really low-owned and might be one to target there for a bit of a unique, and we know he can hit his ceiling games. Uh, Jack Sinclair, I think once Brad Hill comes back into that team, um, he should be okay for, with regards to his scoring output. He's at 32%. Uh, just back to Whitfield, he was at 40%. Tom Stewart, obviously, suspended now for four weeks. So 28% in the top 25 jet. So a lot of owners are going to be looking for um, alternate situations with, regard, with regards to defenders. 
and Nick Dacos, still some teams running there in the top 25, 24% there. Um, and obviously he can get up there there with those scores, but, you know, can be volatile at times. So thoughts there, Jep? Yeah, 24% is quite a lot um, with Dacos. I would have thought that would hopefully go for most of them this week. Uh, but, yeah, it's the opportunity now. Like we said it last week, Jaden Short, James Sicily, highly owned, picking picking the moment to get rid of them when you have a luxury trade and, and going a bit different. Onto the midfielders there. Lockie Neal, 96%. Jack McRae, 92%. Tuke Miller, 84%. Ownership is just starting to really spike there. Andrew Brayshaw, 76%. Clayton Oliver, 64%. Callum Mills, 60%. Rory Laird, 60%. Zach Merritt, 56%. Josh Kelly, 52%. Patrick Cripps, 48%. And all these are 20%. Christian Petrarca, Sam Walsh, Tom Mitchell. I think out of that last three there, Sam Walsh is the target jet. For sure. And I, again, you know, brushing off Cripps and trading him out early is a play as well. But the rest of that top um, top eight that you called out was, was pretty lock on. Onto the forwards there, so Josh Dunkley, 100%, Stephen Keneally, 100%, Will Brody, 88%, Marcus Bontempelli, 60%, Adam Trelaw, 48%, Luke Parker, 40%, Connor Rosie, uh, 28%, Mitch Duncan, 24%, and just a couple below 20% there, Tim Serrano, 16%, and Harry Himmelberg at 12%. So with Himmelberg, he starts inside D50 last week as well, and sort of get, jumps back into that ruck situation, um, uh, for the Giants there late in that game as well. But, yeah, really interesting. Nick Haynes goes up forward, and he, he's a, like a, a defensive tagger in the, against, in the forward line against Collingwood's Darcy Moore. So really interesting there that uh, Nick Haynes was the one to go out of that defence, and Harry Himmelberg stays in there. Uh, post-game, Mark McVeigh was really positive on Harry Himmelberg playing defence paint defence and playing well again so you know I've got to be thinking that that role is somewhat really concerned last week but you know obviously we had a lot of changing situations within the Giants team but see him sitting inside D50 to start off that game last week sort of gives you some sort of confidence that you know that that role could be semi-locked for the time being but obviously it's a really fluid situation there with the Giants so thoughts on any one of those yeah, I'm really struggling with the Ford still and, and trying to pick it for here on in. Um, Mitch Duncan is one that's catching my eye now that Tom Stewart's out for a month. I think he goes behind the ball a little bit more and, and plays a bit more of a sweeper role and distributor. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's it, there's no real surprises. Luke Jackson is in a few teams and Darcy Cameron as well in the forward line. So really still hard to pick it um, and probably... Good in a way where, yeah, you can go different. I didn't hear Duncan's name called out at all. Yeah, you go with that long situation, just hit back on that. So uh, that's a bit possible that Duncan sits off half back a lot more with regards to using his feet because we know Tom Stewart is really good by foot. Um, so sitting in that, in that intercept marking role, however, you know, Jack Henry played forward last week because Gary Rowan was out late ill. So I'd expect him to go back into defence. Uh, Chris Scott did actually... I mentioned that as well, that he would be heading back to defence. Uh, so your Mark Blixarves can be that situation where he can be the interceptor there as well. Uh, Zach Guthrie can actually play that role as well. So really interesting to see how the Cats sort of flush that out, uh, who that intercept marking player is. But, yeah, I don't mind that situation where Duncan could sort of sit off like a half-back line and use he's, he's the one that distributes off um, the Geelong D50. And, you know, Geelong do play the Kangaroos this week, so uh, it could be anything. So, anyway, let's get on to uh, who are your top three targets for round 16, assuming you don't own any. Well, the first one's Jack Steele. No real surprises there. Came back, laid 10 tackles in his first game back. The shoulder's totally fine, isn't it? So, um, he comes into calculations this week. Uh, him cluggage, I thought, mm. you know, he was going to go big. Uh, I, I wanted to trade him in, but just couldn't uh, last week against Melbourne. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely on my radar again. A point of difference uh, for sure, and no Jared Lyons for a week or two, depending on how Jared is. Um, might not be no weeks. It might be zero weeks. Sorry, um, but yeah, that always helps Hugh. And then Aaron Hall, um, huge disposal game. Obviously didn't take as as many marks as we would have liked, but he got there in in the end. And again. Aaron Hall is in the list for a point of difference. So all three players, I know Jack Steele will be a popular trading option, 
but all the three players that I've just called out are, are effectively points of difference. Yeah, I think on Hall is a little bit of an elevated risk. So I have mentioned him on the podcast the last few weeks. Um, so uh, the, the game before for the Kangaroos, he did move up onto the wing. So, you know, you've got to be thinking that that could be a situation where it could be a fluid situation in, in that D50 for North Melbourne. But if he is locked there for the remainder of the season, he could just rack up some enormous numbers. And again, the Kangaroos are struggling in setting high numbers of inside 50. So that is Aaron Hall's hitting zone right there. Uh, so we'll try and get some confirmation there that it's going to be a high rate for Hall to finish off the season. But yeah, fluid situation with Kangaroos, things are happening. So um, who knows towards the back end of the season. And the other thing to keep out uh, a watch there for the Kangaroos is that uh, David Noble did say last week that Taron Thomas... Uh, that he could be moving to a half-back line there as well. So you've got to be keeping in mind if, you know, if there's any chance of Taron Thomas is sitting off a half-back line, that that could impact Aaron Hall. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that fluid situation. Whether the Taron Thomas one does eventuate, you, you probably got to see it before you sort of buy into that one there as well. So, yeah, that's a see before you do anything part of there. But Aaron Hall, not bad. If he's guaranteed locked in D50, Big numbers expected. Uh, my top three targets there, actually unchanged from last week. Sam Walsh, point of difference, not much high ownership. We know he can hit his ceiling games. Yeah, and if he's been just sort of unchecked through that, um, through the rest, through the pretty much the entire ground, that he could just rack up some enormous numbers there. Took Miller, we know he can get there. Uh, the Pies gave up some big, pretty big numbers last week against the Giants. So Collingwood versus Gold Coast this week, you know, pretty much if, if Miller is just left to do what he wants to do, that you know, it's a pretty good captain option there as well. And if you don't own Miller, that he could actually put up a pretty decent number against the Pies this week, I would expect. And yeah, Rory led still for me. Um, he can just pretty—he's the one—he's the solid one in that Adelaide team that, I, that I've got no concerns about. Uh, for the remainder of this season. Audie Jep, on to notable low break evens. So um, Massimo D'Ambrosio at two, Red Bezzo. Scores will be volatile, won't be strong, I wouldn't thought, but I think he's pretty much strong in that team. Um, again, they're going for youth there, West Coast as well. Uh, so D'Ambrosio was at two break even, uh, Bezzo at six break even. Jackson Archer, he was actually quite comfortable there on debut. Obviously, his numbers uh, for what we have seen is under... 18 career and his uh, early VFL stats weren't strong, but he was actually he looked really comfortable that level. So uh, threw himself threw himself in there as well. Didn't take a backward step, and you know was able to get collect some a little bit of ball. So it was quite a, a good debut for Archer. So he's a break even of eight. Brody Kemp uh, in defence for the Blues. So you've got to imagine if he's, he's solid that he'll be okay. Scoring was there last week, but it's not guaranteed there. So break even of eight. Riley West. So if you're looking to pay up a little bit there. And he's been super strong for the Bulldogs coming off a half-forward line there and just moving up and down that wing. So he's been uh, through that midfield a little bit as well. So, you know, Lockie Hunter's coming back into that team. So whether that does that impact Wally West a little bit as well? And we know, what, what, what we know, Jep, is that the Brisbane small forwards and their defenders, they really match up on those, those uh, Wally West types. So, you know, we might not get the score from West this week as well. So, but he's a 479k. You're going to have to pay up for that. Break even to 14. And Patrick Parnell, scores weren't there last week, just 24 points there as well. Break even to 15. And he's a, an elevated salary there and there as well. So, thoughts on anyone those, Jeff? Yeah, they're all um, struggling a bit to score in terms of fantasy. So, hopefully, there's some fresh selections this week, um, new debutants that we can lean on, uh, and basement price as well. Yeah, that's right. The scores just haven't really been there from the, the latest batch of rookies there. But anyway, hopefully we get some more to finish off the year. Already notable players potentially dropping in salary on the radar to target soon with a 130-plus break even. So Darcy Parrish, if he comes back this week, pretty much he can wait a couple of weeks and wait for a bit of a salary drop there. And plus, he's coming off a pretty uh, severe calf cork, missed two games. All right, so his break even is 155. Lockie Neal, 137, tagged last week. Joe Lyons got a hit in the rib, so um, rib can't So whether he gets up or not, you probably can wait on him if you want to target him. So he's got a break, a break even of 136. Callum Mills, super strong there for me. I wouldn't be trading that out, and I would still be looking for him at target, but he has ownership there as well. 136, Jack Chris, 132. Uh, low, low score last week, but I wouldn't be too concerned about that. And as I mentioned earlier, Jack Sinclair tagged last week uh, out of half-back line uh, by Sydney. Uh, he's got a break even to 130, but I think uh, once Hill comes back into that team, Sinclair's good to go. Thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I agree with you there on Jack Sinclair. He's the one, well, probably top of the list out of that group for me. 
Yeah, and those that don't realise that, you know, you know, Sinclair got tagged and, well, if, if those that realise that Sinclair got tagged and think that might be an ongoing thing, it's pretty much, you know, Longmire targeted Sinclair because there was no hill. So uh, that too seemed to be um, wholly correlated of why Sinclair got tagged. So um, once hill comes back in, I think Sinclair is good to go uh, because hill is damaging by foot and once he gets going, he's... You know, it can, can be pretty damaging to the opposition teams. Audi Jep, onto notable strong scoring output with a 115-plus average last three rounds. So I've got a group of players here, run through, and I'll get you to comment on a couple of those. So Sam Doherty, 128. Carl Lehmann, 126. Still getting it done there. Harry Himmelberg, 126 last three. So still getting it done. Big scores in there as well. Rory Led, 125. Jack Fawney, 125. Super strong last week against the Lions. Jack McRae, 123. Hugh McCluggage there is 123. Stephen Canelio, 121. Good to see him still in that midfield. Super strong scoring there as well. Tuke Miller, 117. Andrew Brayshaw, 117. Clayton Oliver, 117. Thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, look, a, a, a very informed list. Um, look, any one of those really can do a job. Carl Amon is, is getting it done. He, he's a hard-running winger, and he's we've shown ceiling scores in the past. Um, just never consistently enough for, for us fantasy coaches to pay attention, I suppose. But, yeah, all all very much viable options. Again, you you just got to do your assessment on who you think is going to score the most for here on in, and I still believe it's Rory Laird. And probably in second place, it's Took Miller. On to, okay, on to a few key players for the listeners. Thank you for sending those in. They are very much appreciated. Time to play like or dislike to finish off the podcast, Jep. So we are going to do a 32-pack to finish off. So we'll run through a few players, like, dislike, and we'll stop on a few for a few comments. So Sam Walsh, for me, big like. Yeah, really do like it as well. I think um, those gut-running players at this time of year pay dividends. And, um, yeah, hopefully Walsh avoids a tag Dare I say it, I think Rats will have a plan for him when they play St Kilda this weekend. On to Aaron Hall. I do like it. As long as we've got confirmation there, it's D50 for the remainder of the year. But, yeah, just, you know, there is a little bit of an elevated risk, but I do like the picture. No, I very much like it. I think, you know, we've got to... Can't see it on our hands anymore. We've got to play the cards and, and be a bit different, and I, I like Aaron Hall for that reason. Yeah, and that's a really interesting point. We mentioned on, on last week's podcast is that, you know, we're getting towards the final few weeks of the season. We need to take on risk. We just can't sit back. Jeff, thoughts? Yeah, it's all about risk from here on in. Uh, I said at the start of this podcast, some are definitely going to pay off and you, you're going to be dancing. Others, you know, there might be one or two that don't pay off, but so be it. Live and die by your decisions. But um, for myself, like I'm ranked 570-odd, I'm not going to die wondering. If I finish the season out at the top 1,000, so be it. But I'm going to try my damn hardest to get in the top 100 at least. As I said on last year's podcast, one of those podcasts, if you're not first, you're last, as per Ricky Bobby Jeff. Already. <laughs> That's it. On to, uh, on to the next one, Jack Steele. So big like for me, no ownership. Yeah, got to love it. I think he'll be the most popular uh, Primo will play traded in this week. Mitch Duncan, you know, if he does sit off that half-back line, you know, Cats aren't really consuming the ball as much as what they did in the last few years. But if he sits off that half-back line, yeah, but I don't mind the pick. So I'm going to sit on the side of the fence just slightly to say like. No, I'm, I'm calling it. The only thing, like, as a big like, I'm calling it. The only thing I don't like is his soft tissue history um, and a potential rest for the rest of the year. So... That that's what's putting me off at the moment. But, um, yeah, look, North Melbourne, Melbourne, Carlton and Port Adelaide, it's a pretty good month. I don't foresee him getting too much attention. And, yeah, if I'm right and, and they look for that distributor behind the ball, I'm pretty certain it's going to be Duncan and it's, it's three-figure scores from here on in. Yeah, so just to back up on your two points there, uh, on his injury history um, and also uh, potential rest. So we know, and I've spoken endlessly about Chris Scott saying, really putting it out there that they're going to manage players, and we've seen that over the course of the year, that is, they've stuck to that word. So we've known that, so we take on that risk that that's a potential. Now, the other one there is that you said potential soft tissue injury. He did have an interrupted pre-season there as well. So, you know... Again, we're taking off on risk at this part of the season. You know, is is you know eight nine weeks a long way to go with Duncan? Maybe three or four weeks is okay, but 
but you know, back into the season, what are Geelong going to do to manage players if they're locked for top four or top two position there as well? So really got to factor in a few crucial decisions with regards to Duncan there. So Harry Himmelberg, so we talked pre-pod about Himmelberg and what, what he did look like with regards to that, that role as semi sort of locked in D50. I'm more comfortable than what I was last week, that's all I'll say, and I was really uncomfortable last week. Um, with regards to, you know, no ruck, could he play in the ruck? And obviously, Peatling was out, could he go forward there as well? But we've we seen Nick Haynes was the one to get booted out of that D15 and go forward. So um, that's probably where I sit now. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to flip back. I'm going to say I, I start to like the pick now. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm much more comfortable than what I was last week, Jeff. Thoughts? Yeah, same, mate. I, um, I think it says a lot when you put a, a defender forward in Haynes because you want to keep Himmelberg playing his best footy behind the ball and, and how much it means to your structure or, or your attacking. Um, you know, when they turn the ball, the opposition turns the ball over, what Himmelberg provides in terms of attack from D50. So that's obviously value for the Giants, and McVeigh sees that. I don't think he's going forward anymore. After, you know, we saw the teams, we we sort of preempted that he would go forward. He didn't. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a pick now. Uh, unfortunately, it's just too late because he's maxed out in cash. But again, you're, um, what you read out earlier in the, in the top 25 coaches, um, he's still lowly owned. So you can still do it. So like. Yeah, I mentioned uh, Himmelberg back when he was in the low 400s a few weeks back. I said, just keep an eye on him, what he's going to potentially do. And now we look at his price here. He's at 741k. He's going to be over 800k in a couple of weeks, Jeff. So uh, it's amazing where you go with a, once you start putting up those numbers. So anyway, uh, he will go right. And just on the Giants there, we don't have for discussion with regards to Braden Pruse, but, you know, Matt Flynn uh, was suggested to be two or three weeks out for the Giants uh, last week, but uh, in the post-game press conference from Mark McVeigh, he sort of suggested that, that Matt Flynn was okay to be available this week, uh, whether he gets up or not. So he was some chance. So, um, you know, for those looking at Braden Pruse, and again, I'm mentioning this because we don't have him uh, mentioned here to finish off the podcast, you know, Matt Flynn is on that radar as well, and, and Mark McVeigh didn't answer the question with regards to going to a dual ruck setup. And, you know, what's the preference? I think the preference is Pruce over Flynn, but, you know, they might want to get a look at a dual ruck setup. Uh, who knows? But, yeah, fluid situation. And we're probably at the stage now, Jeb, is that with Braden Pruce, it's just pretty much an avoid, I would imagine. So, because it's just. It was one one thing after another. So you, you're taking off extreme. We talk about elevated risk. I think Bruce is almost at the extreme risk of it. So um, he's at high end. Like you can't get any higher risk than what he has because there's potential for suspension, potential for injury, uh, potential for dual ruck setup. Um, we know he can score. I love it, but you know, just really big risk there. Anyway, let's move on to the next one, Jeff. Uh, let's go into Luke Jackson. Um, so gone back, maybe it's unlikely to be this week. So we're going to get another uh, go with Luke Jackson. I love it for this week, but uh, you you got to be starting to make plans if you do have Luke Jackson, which I do. Uh, I'm starting to make plans what their excess strategy is because uh, as soon as Gorn's coming in, uh, Jackson is going out for me. So I don't think it's this week, but I think I've got a little bit of wiggle room to play with with regards to his ex- exit strategy. Love it this week. Beyond that, I'm not too sure. Jep, thoughts? Uh, no, it's a like. I think Gorn won't play this weekend. I think he'll play the round after, so round 17, based on the comments and what I can see between the lines. Um Lee Jackson in the first quarter wasn't really hungry for the footy around the contest. Um, did his job, but then he must have got a rocket in the quarter time address because he was running past players, clapping his hands, screaming for the ball, and, he, and they fed it to him. So he was just unstoppable in his run. Um, you know, McInerney couldn't obviously go with him into, with that pace and, and that fitness base. So... It's, uh, it was quite a show in, in three quarters. I mean, he would have scored, yeah, it would have been over 104-ish points in three quarters from memory. So um, now Riley O'Brien is pretty accountable as a ruckman. I think Luke Jackson this week will struggle with the hit-outs, but he'll definitely beat Riley around the ground. And um, as long as he's hungry for the ball, and like I started laughing, he was literally clapping his hands 
going past Oliver, screaming for the ball a few times. It was quite comical. Um, but, yeah, he just had that thirst for the footy, and that's what we want in our fantasy players. Um, I think he'll do a little bit of damage against Riley O'Brien and, and Adelaide this week. So it's a like. What happens there on in, we deal with it later. It, when, even when Gorn comes back, I don't think he's going to, you know, go 70% on ball. I think it will be quite a stage process. So even when Gorn comes back, don't it's not panic stations. If, but, yeah, long term, um, he, he's, he's obviously a trade out eventually. On to Ben Tees, so um, just just at Adelaide, um, again, team missing the finals, fluid situation, things can change, and, and Matthew Nix has really been strong on players in that midfield, and team, like Crouch, out of the, racks up a stack of disposal, and he's out of the team instantly, so yeah, really got to watch his space. I think he's okay, you know, to be inside that best 22, that's not, not what I'm questioning, but what I'm questioning is potential role changes and what, you know, they want to get Saligo in there, want to get a few different looks in there as well. So Laird's the only one in there for me that I'm really sold with. So it's a dislike for Keys. We know he can score, but I don't think it's as, as good as what we did see last year, Jeff. Yeah, I'm a dislike on Keys. I, I think um, there are better options around. We, It's not a... It can be about price in some instances, but we've really just got to think about the players that are going to score the most points from here on in, and I don't think Keys matches up with the players available. On to Tim Taranto. So wasn't really a breakout game on his return. Uh, we know he can get there. Maybe it's a couple of weeks. Maybe it was just that one week. So oh, I think it's still a pretty good target there. I don't mind the pick. Yeah. Um, look, it was interesting, wasn't it, in terms of role, firstly. So didn't spend as much time on the ball as we thought. We were probably... Again, preempted, um, and he's like looking at his body language and movement around the ground. He still just looked hindered by that injury. So that back—we've all had a bad back, I'm sure most of us have—and it, it can hurt you quite a bit. Um, so yeah, it's an avoid. It's actually a dislike, dare I say it. And um, until he can prove he can run around the ground and without grimacing, I, um, I'm not going to go near him. On to Jake Lloyd, so struggle for scores this year, big monster game last week. Probably the game situation set up his high score. Uh, so it's a you know, be careful you're not really buying in that one forty, one twenty points uh, for Lloyd, so it's not gonna be that easy every week. So it's just a wait and see on Lloyd, so slight dislike still for me. Uh, straight dislike from me. Uh, although he was a lot hungrier for the footy to get it in his hands, it's just too up and down for my liking, so I'm not going near it. On to Daniel Rich. I just think there are better options. I'd, I'd rather avoid Rich, but we know he can get towards it. Yeah, it's a dislike from me as well, mate. I, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty set on the top eight defenders for the year, and he's not in there. Isaac Heaney. We know he plays a stack of forward, rolls, rolls through that midfield there as well, but you know, he can play a stack forward. So uh, scores can be volatile at times, but he's been getting there recently, and he's hitting the scoreboard. So... Maybe it's a point of difference, but at the back end of the year, if he's got a couple of soft matchup chips that you might want to target him in the back end of the year, because we know he can get there. So, and we know he can post a pretty decent score. Uh, maybe with you know so many weeks to go in the season, might be a long hold. So, if, just to look at the midfield usage isn't as strong as what we expected, but so forward usage, I'm just going to sit on the side of the fence and say dislike. Uh, dislike for me. Oh, I'd, I think again, I'd rather Himmelberg as an example than Heaney. Um, given the ceiling Himmelberg's shown in, in less than a month. Yeah, Sam Berry, so uh, heaps of midfield usage there as well. So if you're looking to, you know, if you're struggling for money there, trying to get a rookie up to someone, Berry can be okay. But you're only looking around about, you know, that 75, 80, 85 range of uh, average there. He can get their scores for one or two offs, but, yeah, he can uh, sort of drop below there as well. So I think the 80, 85 might be average. So this isn't a situation where you're looking to, you know, you're struggling for money, you're looking to, you know, hit the double rookie trade and, and try and get up to someone. So from that perspective, it's okay, but you're not going to be hitting a high ceiling. Uh, as far as those own barriers, it's probably time to upgrade there. So as an overall, uh, what you should be targeting this end of the year, it's a dislike for me. Straight dislike from me, mate. I um I don't think yeah uh, we again like with the fluid situation at Adelaide and then trying different things, it's just a bit risky for my end. Even if you're struggling for cash, there's a couple of points. This is one Liam Baker's the one that 
you know, comes to mind. I know they're not exactly the same price, but I'd much rather Baker than Berry. Uh, Rory Laird, big like for me. Yeah, love Laird. I think he's going to score close to, if not the most points from this round onwards to the end of the year. Yep, agree with that. On to Jordan Dawson. I love the peak. Not really high, highly owned either, Jeff. Yeah, I love it too. And I, he's actually, um, I sort of do a mock All-Australian team every year, and I'd actually put him up there this year. I think he's potentially vying for it too. So um, good performances from here on in, I'd expect, and I think he's a top-six defender. Yeah, he's an elite player. Um, he's it was just so almost so underrated at Sydney, but now he's flourishing at Adelaide there. On to Will Brody. Um, so scores are still there, Jeb. He's still getting it done, and it's like... Uh, so a lot of people jumped early and probably have that little bit of a regret, but I can see why people did it. Uh, but, yeah, he's sitting in my team. He's going nowhere until I start to see some sort of poor scoring, consistent poor scoring output. So uh, it's still a like for me for Brody. Yeah, I can completely understand the trade. It was probably a pre-planned trade for a lot of coaches, you know, a week or two before, and totally reasonable um, for him to do that is Probably what I sort of put it down to is it was a very highly contested game, more than Freer would have liked, and I think that's where Brody came into it. Plus, Carlton didn't give me any attention either. So, um, yeah, it's not tons here on in every week from Brody. No, no stretch of the imagination at, at all. It's, um, but yeah, obviously those that hold will take the score long term. I think it's um, a dislike still, and um, but. Yeah, so timing the trade out is is yeah important, but just keep in mind that Brody loves the contested game. It's obviously style of play, and against Carlton, there's always going to be a contested sort of match. Port Adelaide, I actually think it will be more of a, of a contested game than we think. Port Adelaide do like to attack from their back half a lot and swing the ball around and do their thing, but in the grits of it and the nuts of it, if we get especially if it's wet weather. It's going to be more contested than what we probably would assume. So another big score from Brody this week. From there on in, who knows? On to Team English. So um, obviously ruled out for this week, so we're not talking about this week. So beyond that, Jeb, uh, there'd be no ownership, and he's a very high-ceiling player. So from that perspective, uh, well, we obviously got to wait till he comes back into the team. Might want to get a one-week look at him. But, yeah, no ownership uh, towards the back end of the year. I think he's a big target. Yeah, he plays around 17, no doubt, and he is in my pre-planned trades for round 17. So uh, I'm factoring my trades this week around getting Tim English in next week. Uh, so, yeah, big luck. On to Rhett Bezo. I spoke about him earlier. So you've got to imagine that he's going to get a few looks to finish out the season. For, so as far as uh, targeting a player, a low-salary player that's going to be playing most of the season, I would say like from that perspective. I cheered really hard when we drafted him. I wasn't sure we were going to get him. I think we got him about 35 or 37, something like that. Um, and most of us can see why. He's going to develop very nicely into a centre-half back and take over McGovern or, um, or somebody else who knows. So, yeah, but for now, I, I think he maybe plays one or two more only personally. So just be wary of that. So for me, sorry, dislike on that, just with the one or two more. Okay. On to Hugh McCluggage. So, yeah, unique pick. Uh, uh, he can score then. If, if Lockie Neal is the one getting the attention, you know, it's all good from Hugh McCluggage's point of view. Lions don't rack out huge disposal, so that's a bit of a concern there, but he can then get there. He's playing inside midfield now, so um, I think it's I think it's not a bad, unique option to target, Jeff. So I like the pick. Yeah, I'm really, really big on the cluggage. Uh, like I said, I wanted him last week, couldn't get it done through forced trades. Um, but yeah, even still at this point, he's one of the, like we said about Walsh, he, the cluggage can just run all day. So this time of year suits him. I feel like this is a bit of deja vu from last season where McCluggage finished strong as well in the second half, had a big second half of the year. Never going to get tagged, like you mentioned. Let, um, Neil's going to get all the attention. So he ticks a lot of boxes, and the biggest box is the point of difference. So it's a huge, huge, huge like from me. Yeah, Christian Petrarca. So uh, ownership has dipped a little bit on Petrarca. So 
you know, might be one of those ones where we can target on really good matchups, and we know he can. We know he has an elite ceiling jet. So, um, it's a, from from the perspective of unique options to target that not many people might look at at this stage of the season, especially after he's been a little bit hampered by injury this year, and the scores have been really volatile. So, and uh, towards the back end of the season, it might be one to target. From, so, from that perspective, I do like to pick, but you know, pick and choose when you're going to target him. Though, that's my only suggestion, Jeff. Uh, yeah, it's a like for me. I, I felt I actually watched the way he moved, and I think he he was okay in, in his running and, and side you know lateral movement as well on the on that Thursday night. So it's just whether they not rest him as such, but protect him towards the back end of the season. So I, I'm going to say dislike actually, although I can understand why coaches would do it. On to Liam Baker. Um... Look, I don't mind. Like, Cochin will come back into the team eventually as well, and so Presti misses this week, so um, he can uh, sit off that halfback line, which is good. But you know, if he's rolling for midfield, that's good as well. Um, but yeah, that that role is not really secure there. So uh, he was outstanding on the weekend. I thought he was one of the better players on the ground. So. Um, but, yeah, that role was not secure, locked in week in, week out, the same thing. So from that perspective, you could get a little bit of volatility. But, yeah, definitely a unique option. Don't mind the pick. I'm going to sit on the side of the fence, actually, just to say a little bit of a like here. Unique option. Don't mind it. Yeah, I want to say like. I actually anticipate if Cotchin comes back that they'll put James Short back behind the ball mm. um, and, and Baker stays there. He, he just – I tweeted after the game. He was absolutely relentless in that game. Mm. Did not stop. And contest to contest, um, his physical presence for such a small bloke is, is underrated, actually. And um, he changed the game for the Tigers. Absolutely changed the game for him. So – yeah, I um, I really like the pick, and um, yeah, he's actually in one of my draft uh, in one of my trade scenarios for this week. Uh, Jackson Archer for North Melbourne made his debut last week. I thought he was uh, pretty pretty good on debut. Um, again, the scores previously under 18s and uh, VFL scores weren't strong, but you know he was actually he adapted really quickly to AFL level. So he's still a little bit on the thin side. Um, but, yeah, really comfortable, and I think he's going to get a stack of opportunities to finish out the year, Jeff, and I think he, he could be pretty much locked in that team. So if you're looking to pay down to a defender and you're looking to pay down to a defender that's going to be have a lot of opportunities to finish out the year, I think Jackson Archer is the one, so I like the pick. Yeah, I like it too. I thought he was good. Um, you can do the throwaway, well, not so much throwaway, but um, at D8, it's, it's definitely an option. Just It's Really low scores from here on in. He scored 50. I thought that was generous. I expect 30s to 40s from here on in. Marcus Bontempelli. So uh, Smith, a couple of weeks away, uh, but we know Bontempelli actually looked really good on the weekend. So if the Bulldogs can, and I mentioned this previously, if the Bulldogs can finish the season strong, now they do have a very difficult matchup uh, to finish out the season in their home and away season opponents. So, so it's really, it's not easy. Uh, but, uh, you know, if the Bulldogs do get going, we know they're very much a high-disposal type team. So if that's the case and that's going to happen, I think Bont's going to see a, a stack of ball and a stack of points to finish out the season. I like the pick, Chip. Yeah, I like the pick too. Bulldogs need to keep winning games to make the finals, um, make their charge towards September, and he's a huge cog of that. Even though he's going to attract attention in the tag, I still like the pick, and I feel like he's a top-six forward from here on in. Uh, Jack Sinclair so again tag last week I think once he comes back in he's just going to roam around half back and just pick it up at will Saints are under the roof at Marvel Stadium I think it's actually a good thing as well uh, for Sinclair you can just you know as I mentioned a few weeks ago if, if you're watching a St Kilda game just watch him and just he just runs around cutting cutting up everywhere he wants to cut up and just accumulate disposals at will so big like still for me for Sinclair yeah big like as well for me um, i Again, I think he's going to have some high ceiling games that can and throw throw a bit of a point of difference and gain rank, but um, he's starting to become popular. It's just when you pull the trigger on him, it might be now. Most of us are set in defence, except for um, you know the Dacos upgrade. But don't be don't shy away from his break even at the moment. It's it's all about points, isn't it? On to Riley O'Brien. So uh, rucks have been an issue. Most people, uh, most fantasy coaches settled on their ruck situation over the weekend because it was quite, uh, it was quite a bit of a turmoil there heading into last week. So most uh, coaches have settled. Uh, Riley O'Brien, I still don't mind the picture. 
No, I like the pick. Oh, I'm obviously an owner. It's been, I've said it multiple times. He, he is, I can see why previous owners are scarred by him because he's incredibly frustrating to watch. What he's amazing at, and I think he doesn't get enough credit for, is his work rate and ability to get from contest to contest. Um, it's just these, or not, he gets his hands on the ball so many times, but he just doesn't complete a mark or, um, he, he he shies away from the footy. He expects the midfielder to sweep through when it's actually him to get it. He doesn't um, demand the football like Luke Jackson did against uh, the Lions. So there's a bit of that. But um, I still like the pick with our ruck situations for the time being. I think he's an honest footballer and um, he works really hard and does what he has to do to uh, to make his team win. And he obviously got dropped and... Yeah, it's an intriguing battle against Jackson. He's obviously going to win the hitouts for sure. So you can lock him in for what, 40, 40 points, 40 hitouts. It's just what he does around the ground. Um, and Stephen May and, and Lever will, will give him a few headaches, um, trying to take marks. So yeah, I, I still like it. Onto Jared Wheats, definitely a unique option. I think he can score okay, but yeah, just a unique option from that perspective. I do like the picture. No, I'm a dislike on Wits. He doesn't, although he had a really good game last weekend and he actually did a lot more around the ground, um, he, he's got to do that on a consistent basis. I can't see him doing that. So, yeah, I want to say dislike, but the Suns need him to perform at his optimum for them to push for finals as well. Sean Darcy, so can be volatile scoring, does have a, an elite high type ceiling game in there, so I don't mind the pick there. Yeah, no, I liked Darcy still. He wasn't flattering. 86, um, I thought Tom DeConning, again, had him around the ground and in the air, which is probably to be expected. You know, Sean Darcy's not a high flyer, but his physical presence probably lacked a little bit, and I think he gets that in his review, and he'll improve on that And against Port Adelaide. So who knows what happens there against um, against their thin, forward line, uh, thin ruck structure. He should have a day out, shouldn't he, at Optus Stadium? So he'd like. On to Jackson Haightley. So it's time to upgrade and get out of Haightley if he's going to sit down on the wing. Uh, scores can be volatile, so dislike here for me. Yeah, dislike as well. Christian Salem, still not convinced. Uh, dislike there for me. Yeah, dislike as well for Salem. Sam Doherty, big like for me. Uh, should be a big target. One of the best scorers to finish off the season in defence step. Yeah, one of my good trade-ins from a few weeks back. So I'm really happy to have Doc in my side. Uh, Tom Liberatore, so a bit of an out-of-a-box type suggestion. So a uh, stack of Bulldogs, maybe you can throw him in there. I don't think he's the elite high-high ceiling type player, but that goes to your McRae, Dunkley, Bontempelli, Bailey Smith when he returns. I think Liberatore is that little step below that. So, you know, for me, there are better options. So dislike on Liber. No, I'm going to say like. I, I called it last week. I, I felt like he was going to play more midfield time with uh, Smith out, and, and that did happen. So... Um, I think they'll stick to that structure for a little while longer, and I'm going to say like I think he's got a big month ahead. Okay, final thoughts ahead of round 16. So, yeah, we've got the Thursday to Sunday sort of round again, so Lions and Dogs up first. Probably a little bit more accommodating this week, but what I'm getting at is try to keep your trades in hand. Don't use them until you have to. And, it's, look, for me, like personally in my side, I'm struggling for... Decent bench cover. You know, I'm hoping Mitch Owens comes back in this week. That's where I'm at. So if you can just shore up those lines and your, your emergencies just in case, because, boy, oh, boy, if we get this late COVID out at this time of year, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the ranks quite a bit. So, um, let's yeah, let's just plan for that and, and make sure we're covered. Interesting you should mention that because I've got further information on what I've said the last couple of weeks on the podcast. So... I uh, said last week, uh, or the week before, whatever that was, that you know, you got the second wave of COVID coming through, and we're starting to see that now. So what we've really got to pay attention to is when these COVID outs are coming. Now, I'm able to extract some information there for this week's podcast, is to say that most tests are being done for COVID on the, around about that midweek, Tuesday type of range, and pre-game, it's the day before the game. So when we're talking about, you know, pulling triggers on trades from a fantasy perspective, if players are being tested 
the day before the game, we're going to get noticed pretty much, I would think, and you know, if that's pretty solid all the way through every club and you know, that information coming out to the public is 20, at least 24 hours beforehand, I've got to start to imagine that we're not going to get that many late surprises from that perspective. So, you know, it gives me a little bit of confidence to say that, you know, once we're heading, you know, into the last Sunday and we've had no information, I've got to start to think that, you know, unless somebody wakes up really sick, that they, you know, most players are playing. So it gives me a little bit more confidence that what we're seeing in teams 24 hours out is what we're going to see with teams. And then, then you've got to factor in other late changes there as well. Um, and then you've got to factor in current illness flu situation there as well, which is still going through teams. Now, the other thing that came out on the weekend as well, and there was a little back, bit of back and forth between the Damien Harwick press conference and the Chris Scott press conference. Now, we've seen this earlier in the year with regards to, you know, Collingwood named a, a 26, named a player out as a late change and then named them as an emergency. Now, that was a little bit to do with illness and they had some situation with regards to illness throughout that week for Collingwood. Now, this was a few weeks ago, but the player was named inside the 22 but then came out and was named um, as the medical sub so, sorry if I didn't say that properly so they were named as medical sub so we did see that on the weekend with regards to Richmond they named Ivan Soldo in the team and then named him as a late out late change but named him as the medical sub now funny enough Chris Scott didn't know those rules so interesting that he questioned that and he didn't know and he found out and he got told that that was actually, you can do that. So it doesn't need to be an illness, doesn't need to be an injury. You know, teams, are, you know, it's a, it's a, sorry, it's a team of 22 or 23 and you can name whichever medical sum that you want. So really got to tune into that, who that's going to be. I think most of our players that we've got in our teams now that would be pretty much clear of that medical sub situation, you would think so. Uh, so I don't think it's going to impact us there that much, but... For next year going on, you know, we've got to factor in that, you know, once we get starting out early in the season, that the 23, the team of 23 or whoever that medical sub's going to be within the 26, I guess, is that, you know, it could be any one of the 22 to come out to be the medical sub. So really kept that in mind. doesn't have to be an injury situation there whatsoever. Interesting scenario. I thought it was a really interesting back and forth between Chris Scott and Damien Harwick, even though those press conferences were separate. So, but yeah, one one coach didn't know, one senior coach didn't know, and one senior coach in Damien Harwick absolutely knew the rule. So, yeah, really keep an eye out for that. But I don't think it's going to play into our situation this year to finish off the season from a fantasy perspective. But I think next year going in, where we've got rookies in those teams, you know, anything could be up for grabs with regards to being named in the 22 and then becoming a medical sub. So, you know, if teams start to explore that situation. Situation, that could be concerns for us. So just something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's that big a deal, but, you know, it can happen. All right, Jeff, so all the best for you and the listeners this week. Hopefully everyone crushes out a monster score. All the best, Jeff. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, guys.